Water. They were lost in a world of it, their ships slicing through the silky waters of the open ocean, prow pointed to where the sun rose out of the water every morning. The ocean was smooth, cobalt blue, reflecting only sky. Sometimes there would be porpoises racing the ship or playing in its spreading wake. Sometimes, a long way away, something huge and dark broke surface with thin and blowing spray. But days went by with nothing in the world but sun and sky and sea, and the days were long. The nights were longer still, quiet, soundless except for the creaking of the ship and the splash and lap of water against the hull. Out on the prow there was a space where ropes were coiled and empty barrels were tied up in a raft right up near the bow of the ship. It made a good comfortable nest, and the hiss of parting waters as the ship cleaved them made for a gentle, lulling lullaby. It was there that the first dream came to Amias. At first, curled up in a comfortable loop of thick twisted rope, she might have believed that the sounds of water lapping against something hard and solid actually came from the sea and the ship she was on, but the sound was wrong for that. It was the sound of water breaking on something stationary, not a traveling ship's hull. And after that, when she blinked and looked around, it was easy to see that she had left the ship far behind and was in some strange and yet oddly familiar place. There were two people in the dream, aside from the dreamer herself, a woman and a little girl holding hands. They had their backs to the dreamer. She could not see their faces. She could not see the woman clearly at all, just the shape of her in silhouette through the translucent parasol that she carried, open, and which covered her slender body down to her waist. They were both wearing old-fashioned, almost antique gowns, court garb, which existed only in paintings and in stories. The little girl wore her long, dark hair loose, except for a topknot high on her head, held by two black lacquer hairpins. Behind them, Steps with a broken wooden hand railing led down into dirty water splashing against the bottom step, floating debris bobbing in it and piling up against the rise of the stair. It was dark, but there was a fey light about, something that resembled the way the sky looked when it was reflecting a huge but distant fire. That was all. The water, the stairs, the two incongruously clean and elegant women in their rich court gowns as though waiting for death or for rescue, trapped on a high point while fire and flood raged around them. Just like on the ship, there was water everywhere, but this water was dark and bitter and lifeless and life-taking. It was the aftermath of something, a disaster beyond words. Only a little bit away from the edge of the lowest stair that it washed, it was black and opaque and somehow passively threatening, as though it were about to rise, engulf even this last little spot where they clung to survival and safety. Water. Water lapping. Water, spilled, insistent, all-enveloping, like a primeval world, the world where the earth had yet to rise from the sea of creation, as though a world was ended, or was about to begin. The little girl turned her head slightly, not quite full profile, just enough to cast a glance back to the spot from where the dreamer of the dream watched. 
hovering like a transparent and incorporeal ghost behind the two figures on the platform at the top of the drowned stairs. The child's face was obscured by strands of wind-tussled hair, but she had huge dark eyes, enormous in her pale face, glittering with their own light, the light that might have been knowledge, or recognition, or pity.